What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of After the Game, a conversation with me and my dad, where we talk about the Utah Jazz and all things sports. My name is Spencer. Hey, and this is Barry the Dad. On a Tuesday night, the 11th of October, we're right in the middle of the Jazz's third preseason game. They're at home tonight at Vivint Arena against the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, and they're getting beat by the Spurs right now, 63-47 at halftime. Spencer, this is the fun time of year for all sports fans when the Major League Baseball season is winding down and in play as the Yankees play tonight and a few other games today and in um, uh, Atlanta and around the league in Houston. It's when the NFL is in play and they have more games, it seems like, than ever before with Sundays and Mondays and Thursdays. And the NBA is in full swing in their preseason with the regular season only a week out. So pretty exciting. And uh, watching the Jazz in their third preseason game tonight. They're one and one having lost in Toronto. And then having one in Portland and tonight, not too much of an inspiring game as they're down by 16 at the half to the San Antonio Spurs. The Spurs don't seem like they're going to be a great team either this year. Does that kind of position the Jazz in the same, in the same boat? You're right. The Spurs are not a playoff team, maybe a playing team solely because of what Popovich might get out of them. Keldon, Johnson is playing well tonight. He's a just signed a a, a, a second tier contract, uh, and then you've got Devin Vassell who's playing well. They traded away Dejounte Murray, so they don't have a cornerstone piece to this team other than Keldon Johnson. But man, that just shows you what a long season it's going to be for the Utah Jazz. Two takeaways right now: the first half of the Jazz, and something for us to talk about. Number one, these players know they're on a team that most likely will not make the playoffs and most likely will lose a lot of games. So it drives players to be very individualistic. Well, I'm going to go get mine. I'm going to go play so that everybody can seize me. I'm going to be the man on this team. And that's a little bit of a struggle for the Jazz. Number two, zero defense. If you think our defense was suspect last year, and yet we relied on Rudy Gobert, it's even worse right now. We just do not have a good defensive team at all. So I'm worried about selfishness and team defense. That's interesting. We talked about kind of the roles each player will play on the Jazz team, and if we don't have a defensive specialist and we have all offense, we just hope we can score over 120 points a game, but I don't see the Jazz doing that. I can see them averaging about 102 points a game. And then, obviously, I've talked about it before, but I think that'll put us at a 25-game win team. But I don't know how much the preseason really means. I do see us beating the Spurs in the regular season. They they seem like a team that would be a good match for us. But it's um, interesting to see where we are game one when Coach Hardy has everything together and he's uh, looking to to show us what type of team he's come up with. Yeah, you still don't know what game one, which, by the way, is in eight days on Wednesday the 19th at home um, against the Denver Nuggets, who will really start tonight. Mike Conley has the night off. Um, it says for rest. It's his 35th birthday. 
Um, Malik Beasley is out with a tweaked ankle and Doka still not back yet. Um, I don't know. I don't know exactly what the starting lineup looks like. Um, I just hope that we don't get blown off the floor by the Denver Nuggets in eight days. Uh, A little, a little uh, outside of the game on the court, but still talking about the court, the jazz are sporting their new white jerseys with a black jazz note and neon yellow trim, Hmm. which is opposite of what they played with on the first two road games of the preseason where it was black with a white Utah jazz note and um, neon yellow trim. Uh, And then the court is completely wood with the exception of the black inside the keys and a black note in the middle. And it's, it's a stark contrast to the Utah jazz over the last 20 to 30 to 40 years. It, it's definitely a new look, a new feel and a new team. But again, I'm going to say for the second time on this podcast, this is going to be a long season. If this is the team we have, we might be in some games, but if we play the way that I think we're going to play, which is a little bit of selfishness and no team defense, it's going to be a long season. True. I don't want to be very repetitive and everybody kind of knows our stance on this season and how long it could be. You were right. Saban Lee was waived. So he's no longer wearing a jazz white and yellow uniform. And I guess that kind of means that Will Hardy has his, um, his, his plan moving forward. I do kind of want to shift gears and talk a little bit more about the NBA season. Things to look forward to. If you're an NBA fan, Jamal Murray is going to be back. He hasn't played in two years. He went down in the playoffs last year or during the bubble. So a few years ago, and it looks like he is back. Yeah, I think he went down. Yeah, I think he went down after the bubble start of the following season or mid season, but he missed all of the next season. So you're absolutely right. He's back. I know that means the Nuggets, who are playing first game in the season, just got a lot better, or at least have another weapon in their arsenal. Does that put them in the top four this year? Do you think for the West? Uh, I think so. I, I have to really put go to the standings and say who is in and who is out versus last year. Phoenix, Memphis, Golden State, Dallas, Utah, Denver. I I believe it does. There's some interesting teams in the West that could, I mean, Minnesota arguably could be a top four team. The Clippers could be a top four team. Memphis could be a top four team. Dallas could be a top four team. Denver certainly could as we're discussing it right now. It's going to be interesting in the West to see how it all stacks up. Yeah, fun fact about Jamal Murray. I believe he holds the um, the most point the most points scored in a game without a free throw attempt. I think he scored like fifty nine points in one game and didn't shoot one free throw. Yeah, so, he's an amazing player. The Nuggets are going to be so fun to watch, as is the rest of the Western Conference, and we could say it about the Eastern Conference as well so good catch on on Jamal Murray yeah there's a lot of drama right now in the league we can kind of dive into a couple things regarding the um Warriors and what happened with Draymond Green that might be oversaturated 
But I do want to talk about LeBron. I know there's a lot of a lot of podcasts out there and a lot of sports and uh, analytics uh, um, that discuss him. But do you see LeBron setting the scoring record and passing Kareem as the most points scored in an NBA career? Uh, I do. I think it's just a matter of time, and I think your question is. Um, Will it happen this year? And I'm just trying to see what those numbers might be and and how close he is. Um, So sorry, I just don't have those numbers up. So my, my answer is going to be yes, because it's been talked about in the past. Um, I'm just trying to figure out how many points he'd need to score. and It's 38,387 points is the number that Kareem Adujabar, uh set. And so LeBron has 37,062. So he's about just over 1,000 points away, um, which means that in an 82 it's 82 game season right yeah let's say he plays 60 games and he'd have to average about 16 17 points a game yeah i mean so yes he he will there was a report or something i heard the other day that he and kareem actually don't have a relationship i'm not going to say they don't have a good one yeah or they have a bad one i just heard they don't have a relationship well the actual quote the actual quote um lebron said a reporter asked him what if he had talked with Kareem and what the relationship was. And he said, uh, no thoughts on passing him and no relationship. Interesting. I would imagine they will have a relationship. I would imagine him doing it in a Laker uniform with Kareem there as a Laker legend. They'll have to chat at some point. I I will tell you being old school on this podcast, I never thought it was a record that would be broken. I'm not saying I didn't see LeBron James coming, but I didn't see the longevity that LeBron James might have um, in order to break that record. It takes a lot of games to get there, and a lot of games means a lot of seasons. That's why I believe John Stockton's records of assists and steals would never be broken, not because it isn't a great record on its own, but it's a great record because of longevity. And that's what I felt about Kareem's. But here comes LeBron. and in I think the Kareem did it in 20 seasons. So I think LeBron's done it in less seasons. So Kareem had 1,560 games. If LeBron does it this season in 60 games, that would put him at 1,420, which is probably a full season less than Kareem. So, yes, his um, average – let's see what his average is. Gosh, I don't even have average points per game. The stats that I'm looking at just don't give me what I want to see. But I would imagine his his per game average is higher. It's than 20, 21. No, LeBron James is higher than 21 points a game. Here's an interesting thing. When you look at this stat of Kareem and LeBron, Kareem had one three-point field goal. LeBron has 2,140. Yeah, there's your answer. The game's changed so drastically that while Kareem was close to the basket and 
dunk, dunk, skyhook, dunk, skyhook, put back, dunk. LeBron James has had, I, I, I shy away from the luxury, but he's had the ability to make three-point shots along the way, which Kareem just didn't have in his, in his arsenal, nor was he that type of player. Um, but well, Kareem, Kareem's... Interesting to see him chase it and, and kind of how he does that. Um, kind of sh- moving along, uh, did you see the incident with Draymond Green? I know it's kind of been all over the the news and in the sporting world. Yeah, the Jordan Poole, um, Draymond Green incident happened to practice probably five, six days ago. So there's, yeah, there's three. For those who haven't seen it, he, he got up in Jordan Poole's face and, and actually swung at him and, and connected pretty hard. Um, so three questions or three points. Um, one, is that something that isn't surprising for an NBA team to have that sort of contention? contention? Two, What's your reaction with the video being leaked? Should it have been leaked? And I heard it was leaked for less than $10,000. And three, Michael Jordan had admitted to punching Steph Kerr at some point while they were on the same team with the Bulls. The difference was Jordan was putting up about 40 points a game, so no one really questioned it. So I believe that contention like that happens in every sport with every team. Um, the incidents interesting. hard. Well, yeah, the incident's pretty interesting. So there it is. It's it's a it's a, it's at practice. It's somewhat in a simulated scrimmage, and you can tell that they're chirping at each other just to touch. Then Draymond walks to the baseline where Jordan Poole is not in the scrimmage. He's just resting, standing on the baseline, and gets up in his face, and that's when Jordan Poole shoves him in the chest. And then Draymond comes back and somewhat sucker punches, Superman punches him. There's no way Jordan Poole was ready or waiting for that punch and pretty much sent him to the ground. And then people came in to break it up. Um, Draymond apologized pretty quickly. Jordan Poole indicated he moved past it pretty quickly. Draymond's excuse was, I have some things happening in my personal life that caused me to be in, in a foul mood. I don't think there's any room for the sucker punch that that's shoving, pushing. It happens quite a bit amongst teammates, uh, whether Jordan clock, Steve Kerr or not, those guys are winning championships and I'm not excusing Michael Jordan, but I think Steve Kerr was in Jordan's face and saying things. Um, Jordan Poole was somewhat innocent in this. He was just standing there and Draymond came up to him and challenged him. Um, Draymond has since left the team. I don't know if he's back with the team. He's been away with them. He missed a preseason game. Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and those who have been interviewed about the situation have definitely said it's behind them. And Jordan Poole has said it as well. But when you look at that, man, it, it, it's, it's a heck of a hit. A lot of NBA players have chimed in and said that it's inexcusable. I, I understand. They have kind of the same opinion as you, that contention and competitiveness kind of brings an intensity to practice, which results in some of these athletes that are uh, the greatest athletes in the world with their competitive nature are a little bit um, intense at times. But they definitely have said 
that shouldn't happen at practice. Um, and then they, a lot of athletes are mad at the Warriors organization for leaking the video. And I heard that it was sold for less than $10,000. Do you think yeah, the Warriors know. organization is at fault for this? Or should that be something the public should know about? I think those things should stay behind closed doors. If there was, if it wasn't open to the public and reporters were not covering it and it was a closed door practice, no matter who was shooting that video should have had the responsibility to say, Oh, I, I'm not going to leak that. I, I do think that that's irresponsible. Yes. A lot that's of, my, that's my opinion. Yeah. A lot of um, players are upset at the way that this has been handled and I, I mean, it, there are some competitive teams out there and, and some com competitive players on each team. And Draymond's in a, a definitely an extreme, uh, has extreme personality. So it is, um, it's just how he kind of, I guess, handled it. I don't know if I agree with it, but that's just what happened. Um, kind of moving along, there was a report a couple weeks ago on the 4th, on October 4th, where the GMs had released a survey, the general managers released surveys on what they think will happen with the upcoming season. Um, the first one is their thoughts on who will win the NBA Finals. And and it goes with the Bucks with 43% chance, Milwaukee with 43% chance, the returning champs, Warriors with 25% probability, the Clippers, the LA Clippers with 21% probability, and the Boston Celtics with 11% probability. So you got, I guess it's kind of split with two teams from the East, two teams from the West. The two West teams that have the highest chance of winning the, the, the NBA finals are the Warriors and the Clippers. And then the two teams on the East that have the highest chance are the Bucks and the Celtics, but the Bucks are pretty favorable and have the highest probability of winning this year. It it's going to be very competitive. This is always a tough one for me because all those teams, I go, oh, they could all win it. I think it will be harder. I know this sounds crazy, but I'm about ready to say, I think it's going to be hard for the Warriors to repeat. I somewhat have this feeling, and I'll I probably will eat my words. What is the ultimate motivation for the Warriors to win it again? Steph now has four. I guess he could be playing to match Kobe at five and yet, and they have some good young players that are actually healthy this coming year in Weissman and Jordan Poole's coming to his own. I guess they could win it. I mean, but so could the Denver Nuggets, like you said at the top of this podcast, not that you said they could win it, but they're back at full strength. And what about Kawhi Leonard? Do you deny Kawhi Leonard? One of our podcasts earlier this year, we talked about, you know, he's playing to leave his, his legacy. And Paul George would like a championship. And we, we didn't even mention the Clippers in that GM survey. And Giannis, going back well, to the did. Bucks. Clippers are in the survey. They're the 21% probability. Okay. Yeah, so what do you think? And who, who do you think can win? Because right here are the four teams that uh, that made the, the, the four list. The Bucks, the Warriors, the Clippers, and the Celtics. And uh, I mean, it's surprising that the Nuggets aren't on there, and, and I'm I'm also surprised that um, the um, the Suns aren't even 
have a high probability of winning. I don't know. The Suns kind of have their own drama going on. I haven't read too much about it, but it does look like there are teams um, on their players on the, on the Suns that are a little bit doubtful for this season. And then I do think the Celtics have a chance to kind of make it back in the, the playoffs or the finals, but the East is an anomaly because they, and maybe the playoffs in general are different this nowadays because teams seem to be able to turn it on a little bit more in the playoffs. And so it kind of, um, it's kind of just who's healthiest when the playoffs come along and, and then each team's just going to play differently than they had all season. So it's, it's tough because I get to the heat kind of making it back in there. They seem to be a strong playoff team when they're in the playoffs. So there's, it's hard to say, but the, from what the GMs have said, the highest probability are the bucks at 43%. And then the warriors are just behind them at 25%. So the bucks have quite a bit of probability higher um, and then maybe we can maybe next podcast we can go through the betting odds for for that and, and see what Vegas thinks. And then moving on, the, the GMs did another survey for who will win MVP and 48 percent probability that Luca will win MVP, 34 percent probability that Giannis will win MVP, 14 percent probability that Joel Embiid will win and then three percent uh, chance that. Steph Curry will win. And so that kind of, because it was Jokic who won it last year, correct? Which means. Yeah, he's won two in a row. Yeah. Yeah. Two in a row for him. So they don't, nobody really has him in the top four right now. But I mean, Luca, 48%. What do you think of that? And there are so many great players. Again, it's almost like trying to predict a championship team. Luca is really good. Some of this might depend upon health and how many games you play and what if there's a freak injury. Lucas still, to me, is a little bit injury prone. He mm. he plays hard. He's got a big body. There's a lot of responsibility on him. The ball's in his hand quite a bit. Um, if Jason Kidd can kind of change the offense a little bit and keep the ball out of his hands and still utilize him, it'll give him a little bit more uh, freedom from a health perspective. I thought Joel Embiid played extremely well last year and was deserving of the MVP. Jokic could win a third. Um, two, two things. One, one team we haven't mentioned, one player we haven't mentioned, and neither one of these conversations was just crazy is Kevin Durant and the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, no one's giving them a shot or odds to win it in this in this survey. Nor are they talking about Kevin Durant, who I think anytime he steps on the floor is the best basketball player in the NBA. And we could go on and on about some great players. Um, Luke is very deserving of that in the GM survey. I just think it depends upon his healthiness. That's true. I do think these players are realizing the, the, the moment, if that makes sense, that this season is a kind of an eclipse of a lot of their careers where a lot of these players have been on the up and up and they've been – improving each season and now it's improving to what you know and I think this is the moment that a lot of these younger players like Giannis and Luca have been improving towards towards a season like this like the 2022-2023 season and they are in it for the moment and they know that there are other players that are just behind them or maybe in the same position as them that are also contending for the exact same goals that they have and so it just I think they are all coming with a different level of intensity than they have in years in the past and with that there are up-and-coming players like that prospect. Um, I forget his name, the seven-foot-four player who um, is coming over Kevin from France. Dal 
Webb and Yama, yep. Yep, and there's a lot of talk of him stirring things up and, and making an impact in the league, and we can go into him in, in later episodes. And also, we forget that Zion Williamson is healthy and, and beyond healthy, actually, and to a point where it's scary, and, and other players are are looking forward to his return. So to sum it up, I think the moment is being seized right now by a lot of these younger or or prime players that are knowing that this is their moment to make make um, the success that they personally are looking for. And so moving to rookie of the year, um, Paulo Broncaro is has a 79, 79% chance of winning MVP. Uh, Kagan Murray has a seven, rookie of the year. Oh yeah, rookie. rookie of the year, seventy-nine percent chance, and then Kagan Murray has a seventeen percent chance, and then Jabari Smith Jr. has a three percent chance on the Rockets. So Paula Broncaro, seventy-nine percent Orlando Magic, um, the Sacramento Kings with Kagan Murray, seventeen percent, and then Jabari Murray on the Rockets. I do think Paula Broncaro has a. It would have been interesting with Chet Holmgren or what's his name? Yeah, Holmgren. Yep. Yeah, but. Clearly, he decided to play in the offseason a little bit too hard. So it looks like Paulo Broncaro will run away with this. I or do you agree see, on that. A, do you see a random rookie coming out and having a blowout season? Yeah, I don't see a random rookie. I don't think rookies – I don't know of any team – like, for example, we have Agbaji, who was the NCAA tournament MVP last year on our roster, who's a really good player. And I just don't think he's going to get the playing time that he deserves. I think the rookie of the year is going to go to the guy who gets minutes and Paula and Paulo Banquero is going to, going to be that guy. I think that's the smart pick by the GMs. Yeah. There's not really too much to dive into with that one. It's pretty, it's pretty, pretty clear that Ron Caro is going to have his good first season in the NBA. And then the GMs were asked which player is best in his position. And it's kind of how you would expect it. Steph Curry at point guard, Devin Booker at shooting guard. Um, small forward was Kevin Durant. Power forward was Giannis. And then center was uh, Jokic. But they also listed a couple on the other players under each position. And the interesting thing is Luka is listed three times, both as a point guard, shooting guard, and small forward, as a potential top player in those uh, respective positions. And then they go on and ask, who would you rather start a franchise around today? And 55% of them thought it would be Giannis, and then 45% thought that it would be Luka. So clearly Luka is looking to have his moment within the league this season. And then Giannis, who already has uh, awards and has his NBA Finals ring, is still looking to make an impact. And, and a lot of GMs are saying that they would like to start around him. And I know you've said it a lot, but this is going to be the season and another season where the highest level of basketball has ever been played. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, that's interesting about players, best players at position in one part of the survey, Luke is winning the MVP and the other part of the survey is not even the best player at his position, but then which position does he play? Then you go to the three positions with a listed him to play. And it just tells me he has a load to carry. And my question is going to be, can he carry the load and can he do it healthy? And I, I don't know if he can, and I don't know how, if he can do it for 82 games, he'll probably take some games off, but maybe he'll surprise me. Um, I just, 
I've seen his body get hammered so much because he has the ball in his hand so much and he's called on to do so much that I don't know if he he could have that breakout year, but then again, he might not. Definitely. Definitely is, is carrying a lot of pressure. I do think that this year is a year where a lot of players want to seize the, seize the moment. So it's going to be a good season. Do the Jazz have a, another preseason game? before the first game of the season in eight days? They do. They play, I think, gosh darn it, they they have one more preseason game. I think each team has four, so this is their third tonight. Um, let's just see who they play next. So they will play Dallas on Friday, I think, at home. So I don't know if at that point in time, the Jazz fine-tune a starting lineup and maybe tighten up rotations or if he still plays everybody. I got to think that he goes into that Dallas game trying to make it as close to a regular season game as possible. So tonight they're down by 20 right now at the end of the third to the Spurs. They were down 16 and a half. They haven't looked too inspiring in the third quarters I've been watching. Then they play Friday night. Um, and then they have four days off until four or five days off until the home opener and the season opener against Denver uh, at home on the 19th. Well, a lot to look forward to and definitely I'm excited for that first game and, and, and everything. Do you have anything, anything you'd like to add or any words of wisdom? Listen, it's going to be just a fun season. I think as a jazz fan, you have to say, I'm going to go into each game. And I've said this last year, or maybe even two years ago when we started the podcast, watching the other teams, watching the other team superstars. We can go into the Denver game going, oh my gosh, what is going to happen? But maybe you go into the Denver game next week on Wednesday and say, what does Jamal Murray look like? What does Jokic look like? Is he going to have a third straight MVP season? And then you go to Minnesota. How fun is that on um uh, on Friday night, the 21st, we'll watch that game to see Rudy Gobert and how does he fit in and are the Spurs really who they're going to be. And then you go two nights later to New Orleans. Well, how fun will it be to watch Zion Williamson and and uh, and that revamped New Orleans Pelicans team. So out of the gate, you get Denver, Minnesota, New Orleans. I think it's going to be a fun season watching other teams play and if we sneak in great competitive basketball and catch a few teams sleeping, how exciting will that be as well? Definitely. Well, being an underdog sometimes has a, has its advantages. So hopefully we can steal a few wins from these great teams. All right, Dad, I think that kind of wraps up what I had. Do you have anything else? That's it, other than I don't know what we do with Rudy Gay. Yeah, I don't. He might cause a little bit too much drama, and if we can get him out, I don't back. know. Yeah, I don't know if he's causing drama, but I don't know if he can play at the caliber we want, and so that becomes a challenge. You have a bona fide past great NBA player who's not getting minutes, and you're right. Then the drama might ensue, but he hasn't looked sharp tonight, um, and I don't know how he weathers a full season. So we'll see. Definitely. All right. Well. We'll, we'll have a little bit more information by the time the, se the season starts, and hopefully we can make a more accurate prediction. Absolutely. All right, Spencer, thank you so much.
Thanks, Dad. Have a good night. All right. Take care. Bye.